Welcome to Real Talk with me, Bev Thurigood. In this podcast, I'm going to be diving into the world of small business as a freelance trainer, coach, well-being practitioner, and how you can tap into the corporate world to grow your business. Having done this for the last five years, I've learned a thing or two about working with corporate clients, and I want to share the lessons I've learned, the tips, the tricks, the highs, the lows. I'll also be joined by other freelancers sharing their stories of how they got into to the corporate world, as well as what they've learned in business in general. So let's dive into today's episode. Hello friends, it's Bev here. So this is all about some life lessons that I've learned over the many years that I've been on this planet that have really helped me in my business over the last five years. And I wanted to share with you five in particular, although there's probably many, many more life lessons that I've learned but five in particular that have stood me in really good stead. And my first kind of introduction, if you like, to business was probably 20 years ago. And I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about network marketing. I knew nothing about multi-level marketing or whatever terminology you want to use. It all looked pretty good. And I thought, oh, this sounds great. Apparently you can make lots of money. And, and I very, so, very, very soon realised that network marketing wasn't for me. I'm not against network marketing per se. I think it has pretty much a bad press, if I'm honest, because I think there are some people who basically get into it. And much like I did 20 years ago, didn't realise that actually it's a business and you have to run it as a business. So you've got to think about your marketing and your sales and your finances and all of that sort of thing. I was very, very naive and, you know, there's a lot of a lot of bad press. And if you look at those that have been really successful with multi-level marketing, they have treated it as a business right from the outset. So this isn't about multi-level marketing, but that was my first introduction to business. And I very, very quickly found out that that was not for me. I, I it, it didn't work for me. But what I did get from that, which has been incredible, was alongside the business opportunity. We were part of a downline or an upline team, and we were the downline of an upline team. And we were part of a bigger network where they provided training. And I thought the training would be about the products and about the business, and it, and it was, but there was also a huge amount of personal development training. That was my first sort of experience of personal development. And we used to get these CDs sent to us. I think prior to that, it was probably cassette tapes, but we had CDs and it was generally an Australian or a South African, don't know why, but it always seemed to be either an Australian or a South African talking about their business, but talking about mindset stuff. And I don't think I would have referred to it as mindset then, but they were talking about stuff that was really inspiring and motivating. And they were talking about how to keep going when things got tough and how to overcome self-doubt and rejection. Of course, we all fear rejection. It's a primal instinctive thing. Uh, you know, many, 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 many years ago, our ancestors would have feared being rejected by their tribe because if they were rejected by their tribe and they sat outside of the tribe, then they lost the security of that those numbers, that, that, that tribe looking after them, and they were left vulnerable. And although we don't live in those same times anymore, that instinctive, primal fear of rejection is still there. 
And we have it particularly in business, but in life as well. But when you put yourself out in business, especially in this day and age where you're putting yourself visible on social media and you're going out networking and you're risking judgment and rejection, our mindset can stop us in our tracks. And these CDs from 20 years ago, some of them were much older than that. They'd been put up, the, the, the recordings had been put on CD from years before that. They were a bit Jim Rowan in their, in their sort of motivating storytelling, which is always a great way to get a point across. But they were really empowering. And I can remember every time I traveled anywhere in the car, I put one of these CDs on and it would just, over time, a bit like exercising a muscle, I think, over time, I, I found my confidence shifting, my, my self-doubt about, you know, about myself, it would be self-doubt if it was about myself, going down and, and I was managing it better. But the thing with any kind of personal development or any kind of mindset shift is it is a little bit like working a muscle. You can't go to the gym for six months and get yourself buff and fit and then not exercise for a couple of years and expect to maintain that fitness. You lose it. And it's a bit like that with the mind. You've got to kind of keep training it. You've got to keep reinforcing the, the motivation, the inspiration. You've got to keep reinforcing the positive self-talk. Otherwise, you lose it. And every time we get to a new level in our career or a new level in our business or a new level in our life, or every time we're trying something new for the first time, it's almost like we've got to go back to the squat rack and start working out again. Maybe, you know, put the weight up a little bit because we're going that we're taking that next step. So it is a journey. It's not something that is one and done. You've got to kind of keep doing it. And there's a great book actually by Gay Hendrick. It talks about the upper limit issue, which means that every now and again, we get to a point where we, we kind of put a glass ceiling on ourselves and we have to do the mindset work to break through that, that upper limit uh, issue. And over the years, I, as well as those CDs that I listened to from the network marketing days, I've also read some amazing books, things like Psycho-Cybernetics, which is a really old book from about the 40s or the 50s, I think it was, that talks about how we can change our thinking patterns and we can basically form new neural pathways. I've read books like The, the Chimp Paradox, which talks about how our, our, our brain has sort of a bigger um, unconscious element to it, which is where most of our thoughts and feelings are. And then we've got the logical side to our brain and the human side to our brain and how much smaller that is and how the, the primal part of our brain trumps the logical human part every time. So when we're having all of these self-doubts, often they're from the logical side of our brain and they're being driven by fears from our primal monkey brain, our chimp brain. I've also read books like Mindset by uh, Dr. Carol Tweck that talks about the difference between a fixed and a growth mindset. And along with these CDs and all of the books that I've read, over the years, I've kind of worked that mindset muscle. And I've come up with five, for this video anyway, life lessons that I wanted to share with you that have really changed, I guess, my outlook on the things that I will do and attempt and how I overcome some of the fear that is associated with doing something new and scary. Um, there are more than five. I could probably make a video with 50 of them, but these are the five that come to mind. Now, as I say, it's off the cuff. 
I've not scripted this, so it may be a bit waffly, but stick with me. Actually, in, that in itself is a little bit of a, a mindset shift because I think I use the teleprompter as my safety net, my, my comfort zone, if you like. If I'm reading it, I won't forget things. I won't waffle as much. It makes editing so much easier. So I'm not saying I will never go back to using the teleprompter because I will. But this is, this is a little bit of a, a challenge for me to, to do this almost more sort of off the cuff and hopefully hopefully come across a little bit more authentic and real this is this is raw this is raw so mindset mindset shift I guess I want to call it or life lesson a life lesson number one is that you get to choose your thoughts this was a big one for me because I thought our thoughts I don't know who I thought controlled them but I didn't think it was me I thought maybe there was you know, something else going on, but that my thoughts were somehow detached from me. And the idea that we could choose our thoughts was huge because it suddenly made me realise that if you can choose your thoughts, then you can choose to think better ones than maybe the ones you're already thinking. I think it was Stephen Covey I was listening to on a CD many, many years ago that was talking about speaking at a conference and he said, you get to choose your thoughts. And a woman in the room started to cry and it was because she realised that if she could choose her, her thoughts, she could choose to react and feel differently about life and the way she was being treated. And she didn't have to accept basically being, you know, walked over by people. But for me, it was more, if I can get to choose my thoughts, I can change my perspective on events that happen around me. So when I was younger, I'd often, you know, I, I think we all get this from time to time. If I walked into a room and people were talking and then they suddenly stopped talking, my thoughts would always be that they were talking about something they didn't want me to hear, either because they wanted to push me out of the conversation or they were talking about me and it would be something negative. Now, there was no evidence for that. That was just the story that I was telling myself because of the thoughts that I was choosing to believe. And when I started to realise that I could choose my thoughts, I began to put a different story behind events. Now, I'm not always good at this. I have to say, even after all these years, there are still times when I make a story, you know, I, I give meaning to an event that creates a story that could be right or wrong. And sometimes it's a negative story. But now that I've learned that I get to choose, I think, well, if I don't know what the truth is, I don't know whether they were talking about me or not. I don't know whether they want to shut me out of the conversation or not. But what if I choose to think something different? What if I choose to think that maybe they were talking about me, but it was in a nice way and they were planning something lovely for me that they didn't want me to know? Or what if I just had such a presence that when I walk in a room, they stop what they're doing to talk to me. Wouldn't that be a much nicer thought? I don't know if that's the truth either. It probably isn't. But it's a heck of a lot nicer for me to think that than to think the alternatives. And as I have no proof and no evidence for any of it, surely I can just get to choose the thoughts that I want to accept. And for me, that was massive. In business as well, when I started this business five years ago, which hadn't anything to do with multi-level marketing, when I was kind of going out and networking or I was 
having conversations with potential clients and all that self-doubt was coming in of what they might think of me or that, that they might not want to work with me or, or any of those kind of nonsense thoughts that we have. If I could change that thought to something more positive. So for example, here's a good example. When you're working with corporate businesses, quite often you will put out a, pro a proposition or a proposal. Uh, you'll have a phone call, a sales call, and then you might not hear anything for months and it can feel endless. And to begin with, I used to think that's because they don't want to work with me. That was the thought pattern. And then I remember being at a, an event chatting to uh, another businessman and having this conversation about the fact that, you know, I sent out proposals and I felt like I was being ghosted. And he said, I don't want to bust your bubble. He said, but you're not the top of their priority list. He said, so they've probably, it's not that they're ignoring you. They've probably, it's worked its way down to the bottom of their list. Why don't you just give them a call or a, drop them an email and remind them that you put the proposal in? Now, I had to change my thought process from they don't want to work with me to, oh, maybe they've forgotten that I've sent them the proposal or maybe I just need to remind them to, to move it up their priority list. Now, I don't know the, the reality of either of those things, but I could choose to take the latter and, and give them a ring, which is what I started doing. And the amount of times that the, the, the person said, oh, I've been meaning to get round to that. Thank you for the prompt. Yes, let's let's arrange another call and let's get this thing moving. And if I listened to my first sort of thought process, I'd have never abrung them. So that's first thing. That was the first life lesson that we get to choose our thoughts. Second life lesson uh, is around failure. I had a horrific fear of failure, and I it's a battle that I constantly still have to have to talk my way through but the more I've kind of read the more I've listened to the more biographies and autobiographies and YouTube videos I listen to and podcasts from successful people every single one of them says your failures are where you get your growth you don't learn much from successes and I was listening to Ed Sheeran talking on a video um, a couple of days ago he said you know you get nothing from success Success could quite easily just be good luck. You get true success from failures, from learning from your failures. And you saying, you know, you really need to, rather than demonizing failure, we should be celebrating failure because every time you fail at something, you move forward. And there's a great quote, and I don't know who it's by, but it goes something like, there's no such thing as failure. You either get the result you wanted or you get the lesson you needed. So if we never ever see failure as is, as in um, a negative thing, but a, a, rather it's a, a learning and a growth thing, then there's no such thing as failure because failure means it didn't work. But that's great. If it didn't work, what could we learn from why it didn't work? So we can take that forward and do something different to see if it works better next time. And we've all heard the Edison story of, you know, that how many times he tried to make a light bulb before it worked and he didn't have all those failures he just found out 30,000 ways that it, that, that, that it didn't work and we probably all know this at a, a an intellectual level we all know this is the case 
but our whole society, nobody embraces failure. I was listening to another video on, on uh, LinkedIn and I think it was some, I, I don't really follow sport, but it was some, uh, I think it was a baseball um, or a, yeah, I think it was an American baseballer. They hadn't won this year's um, trophy, whatever it was, some tournament. And the reporter had asked him, if they'd seen it as a failure this last year as a failure. And he was like, you asked me this last year and I said the same thing last year. If you don't get a promotion that year, have you failed in your career? Or have you just learned lots of things along the way to put you in a better position to get the promotion next year? So have they had a failed year because they didn't win the tournament? Or have they just had an opportunity to learn so that they can have a greater chance of winning the tournament next year and I just thought it was a great perspective a great way to look at it so I love that line you either get the result you wanted or you get the lesson you needed and that for me was a great life lesson life lesson number three beliefs are not the truth and it took me a very very long time to get this I even did my NLP neurolinguistic programming practitioners course and at an intellectual level, I got that our beliefs are not our truths, but I don't think I'd really, really internalized it. But our beliefs are a set of thoughts that we've had over and over again so many times that they've forged a, a deep imprint on our mind, in our brain. We've, the neural pathway related to that thought is so strong that there's virtually nothing in our mindset that rejects those thoughts we don't question them and when we have those thoughts over and over again and they're reinforced over and over again they become a belief but we're not born with them beliefs are born out of experiences the people around us things that happen to us through our lives particularly in our very early formative years but the beauty is we don't have to accept them now I have to say that some beliefs are so, so, so deep-rooted, they're very, very hard to imagine that they're not that they're not truths, but they're not. So a lot of the beliefs that I had was I'm not very smart. People that come from my neck of the woods, I was brought up in the suburbs of Newcastle in a not particularly wealthy area of Newcastle. People who come from where I come from cannot be successful. Other beliefs that I had were I'm rubbish with money. I, I can't handle money. I'm not very good. Other beliefs were I'm rubbish at maths. And all of these really stupidly, I guess, the more I believed them, the more evidence I had that I could see to support them. Because we kind of find the evidence to back up the belief and we disregard anything that doesn't support that belief. And sometimes it takes having other people sort of reflect back those beliefs and say, well, actually, you know, what is the evidence for this? And is that true? You know, I'm not, I'm not smart was a big one because I didn't have a great um, education. In the last couple of years of my education, I kind of dropped out. But up until I turned 14, 13, 14, I was smart. I was in sort of top streams for all of my classes in the days when I don't even know if they do that now, but they used to stream us into A's and B's and C's. And I was in A streams for everything. But then puberty hit and lots of other things happened. And I know I have ADHD and I think that probably played a part in it. And I basically dropped out of school. 
So because there's so much emphasis put on your GCSEs or O levels as there were in my day, and I didn't do brilliantly well at them, of course I wouldn't do very well. I didn't study for them. I basically, you know, dropped out of school at the age of 14. So when I come to do my exams at the age of 16, I didn't do very well. So there is the evidence. I can't be very smart because I didn't do very well at my exams. But it didn't occur to me that I didn't do very well at my exams because I never went to school and I didn't do the work. Or I disregarded the evidence that, well, up until I turned 13, 14, I was top streamer for everything. They don't put you in top stream if you're not smart. Then at the age of 48, I did a degree in business and enterprise. Uh, I did it while working and I came top of the class. I literally got the university medal for doing the best in my cohort at degree level. And yet, even after that, I still had this belief, and I still do. I have to talk myself out of it. You get to choose your thoughts. Comes back to that life lesson. But I still have to reinforce, actually, the evidence doesn't suggest you're not very smart. You just have that belief. So realising that beliefs are not truths was a big one for me. And this is where I think coaching comes into its own, especially if you've got somebody who is a really good transformational coach that can potentially use something like neurolinguistic programming or um, hypnotherapy or something like that to help you kind of get behind the belief, get under the belief and find a way to to reframe that belief into something more empowering because a lot of beliefs can be very disempowering. So if we're continuing to acknowledge and accept disempowering beliefs, they're going to hold us back. But if we can recognize that, if we're telling ourselves something a lot of the time, if we can challenge it, is that actually true? Do you really need to have all the dishes washed before you go to bed? I don't know where that came from. Uh, I never worry about things like that, I have to be honest. But if your belief is your worth is tied up in how tidy you are, your worth is tied up in how smart you are, your worth is tied up in how much money you've got. Your belief is that if you're a, a woman in leadership, you're always going to have to fight harder than everybody else. If that's a belief, you're going to find a lot of evidence to, to substantiate that. So knowing that our beliefs aren't truths means that we can actually change them. And a little bit like our thoughts, not being um, set in stone, our thoughts, we get a choice. We also get a choice around our beliefs. And our beliefs are just thoughts. So if we can change our thoughts, hey, we can change our beliefs. Another life lesson that I absolutely love, you'll notice there's a pattern here. I remember reading an Al uh, Roosevelt quote, and it was written on a like a, a poster in a, in a library that I was visiting. And it, it, the, the quote was her quote around, nobody can make you feel inferior without your permission. I had to read it three or four times before I really understood what it meant and what, what she was saying. This idea that nobody can make you feel inferior unless you let them, unless you choose to accept that what they are saying is true, nobody can make you feel inferior. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized nobody can make you feel anything without your permission. So when somebody says, you may, you know, he made me feel this way or she made me feel that way. No, no. You allowed yourself to feel that way. Now, it comes down again to how we choose to interpret what 
is being said. So if somebody says something that you find upsetting or offensive, I'm not suggesting that it isn't hurtful. But how how we choose to feel about that is our choice. So if somebody says something hurtful, we can choose to be upset and hurt and feel invalidated in some way. Or we can choose to say, okay, I'm not happy about that. That hurt. I, I don't like that feeling, but I, I'm not accepting it. I'm not accepting what you're saying is the truth. I, I'm going to choose to think differently. I, I think the thing with when you say that somebody else made you feel a certain way, you're giving away your power. You're giving your power to that person. And that is so disempowering and that is so, um, it leaves you feeling hopeless and helpless because somebody else has got control over your feelings. And it's it's just, it's a horrible place to be. Where, and, and I remember having a conversation with a friend um, a few years ago and she was saying, I, I, when, when somebody says something hurtful, for her to deal with that and not feel disempowered, she imagined a like a, a, a ball of electrical current, electrical impulses. So imagine a globe, an electrical ball with lots of electrical currents flying all around with, you know, the, can you picture that? Like a, just a, a power ball with all of this sort of electrical current in it, electrical pulses. And she said it, if she allows herself to take on the hurt or pain that somebody else is making her feel, it's like she's thrown her power ball at that person and they've got all her power. So when she's feeling that somebody said something hurtful or somebody's made her feel a certain way, she imagines this power ball, this sort of ball within her hands, and she imagines pulling that power back inside her. So all of that electricity, all of that power goes, oh, I think I'm probably knocking my microphone, goes inside and she can reframe that pain and that hurt so it's no longer they made me feel a certain way it is you said that but I'm choosing to feel this way I'm not giving my power over to you and I just remember thinking that is such a powerful a powerful way to deal with that so I then you know really got this Alma Roosevelt saying that nobody can make you feel inferior without your permission nobody can make you feel anything without your permission. Now, is that easy in reality? Heck no. Not at all. Can visualize your power ball, pull it back inside. You are stronger. And number five, the idea that our thoughts become our feelings, become our actions, become our results. This was a big thing for me. I remember reading Think and Grow Rich and I remember reading the title and thinking, how can you think and grow rich? It doesn't, doesn't make sense. And this idea that thoughts become things, all these sort of words that get bandied around and you think, I don't really know what they mean. But if you think about it, what we think affects the way we feel. The way we feel affects the way we behave. The way we behave affects the way we, we act, the actions that we take. And the actions that we take have consequences that lead to a whole cycle being repeated. So an example of this, and I've used this when I've been training about mindset and, and sort of the way the, the brain internalizes things. 
Imagine that you are driving down the motorway and you are in the inside, in the middle lane of a three lane motorway or highway and a car, a black BMW, I don't know why a black BMW, but let's call it black BMW, comes bombing down the outside lane and cuts right in front of you, really, really sharply in front of you. That really makes you kind of, oh, what happened? Well, you know, what an idiot. And your first response is exactly that. You think, oh, my God, what an idiot. Blue BMW drivers, they're always, they think they own the road, they're always cutting people up. And that thought leads to feelings of anger and, oh, just, I need to, I'm, I'm going to show him. So you start flashing your lights and you get up close behind and you tune your horn and the anger, the feelings of anger and just rage, that kind of road rage kicks it. So you've got the thought, what an idiot, how dare he cut me up. The feelings turn to anger, they turn to rage and your body, your physiology changes. You start to see red, you get, you know, your body temperature goes up, you're on edge, your adrenaline's rushing through you. So you're in this kind of heightened physical state of anger and rage. And then imagine you realise that the slip road that you need to take off the off-ramp that you need to take for your next junction is coming up. And you've been so distracted by the idiot in the black BMW, you're about to miss your junction. So you pull over into the inside lane ready to get out, but you don't see the car just in your blind spot. Yeah, the collision. The consequences of your thoughts, your feelings, your physiological changes, your behavior and your action results in a crash. Now, who do you think the person in the car that you've just hit is going to be blaming for that collision? You or the black BMW that's now way up the road, probably doesn't even know that he had anything to do with a collision that's just happened. That's our thoughts, creating our feelings, creating our actions, creating the consequence. And now, of course, you've got a whole load of thoughts, feelings, etc. that cycle starting again. But if we replay that, let's just replay that whole scenario. So you're in, still in the inside lane of the highway or the motorway. And Mr. BMW, black BMW, pairing alongside you, cuts you up. Same scenario. Nothing changes about the scenario. He's driving erratically. He cuts you up. But instead of getting angry and thinking, what an idiot, I'll show him. You think, blimey, bit of a hurry. Not the, not the safest driving ever. Anyway, nobody got hurt. I'm safe. That was a bit of a shock, but everything's fine. Let him just carry on. He can go on his way. I'm okay here. Your thought process is different. Your thoughts aren't triggering an angry response. If anything, they're triggering relief. Your your feeling is of relief. That was close, but hey, I'm fine. No damage done. So your behaviour, instead of being angry and up there flashing your lights, is getting a bit defensive. I'm going to just hang back a bit more defensive driving. Let's just get out of his way. And then you realise your, your slip road's coming up anyway. So you're quite calm. You, you haven't got that rage. You take a quick check back over your shoulder before you move out into the inside lane. And you, you see there's a car here in your blind spot. So you give it a bit of time. You either speed up a little bit to get in front or you let it go past before you pull in. Get off at your slip road, carry on your journey, no harm done. Completely different consequence. 
So the fact that we have this cycle of thoughts creating feelings, creating behaviours, creating a change in physiology, creating a diff- an action that creates an outcome, we have control of that. It all started from that initial thought and we get to choose the thought, which takes me right back to that very first life lesson. We get to choose our thoughts. How cool is that? So if we get to choose our thoughts, how do you stop that initial reaction? Well, for me, I have to take a breath. I have to, okay, what am I going to make of this? Don't always get it right. But it does mean that if something triggers me, I can take a pause, take a moment and change that cycle change my thought my reaction but there you go unscripted my five life lessons of many many life lessons i would also say that one behind me which is i don't know if you can read that it says you don't have to see the whole staircase just to take the first step is one of my favorite quotes as well sometimes i think we feel we have to have everything in place and we know exactly where we're going before we take the next step and we don't You don't have to see the whole road rather at all. You just have to take the next logical step. So there you go. Yeah, that's a bonus for you. My six six favourite life lessons. Until next time, take care. Well, that's it from me for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'd love it if you could go and leave a comment. I would love to read your comments. Let me know what you'd like to hear about, if there's anything in particular you'd like me to cover. Otherwise, I shall talk to you all again soon. Take care.